Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The game is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has five stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. Pacers running, taking care of you for all of your feet needs there. Shoes, socks, they are going to get you moving here in 2023. Make sure you get out there and do that. So uh, without further ado, we are very happy to share with you the one and only Logan Paulson. Give him a warm ref the district welcome here. Appreciate you, uh, Logan, for joining us uh, and taking the time. I know uh, this is kind of like the family time and everything going on, so we appreciate you jumping on here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. So we are 24 hours out from the draft beginning. A lot of questions are surrounding what Washington's going to be able to do here in the first round. And uh, so let's get right in there with it for you. What direction do you think that the commanders are going to go? Is this going to be an offensive draft? Or is it going to be a defensive draft as, as Ron's kind of known for? What are we looking at here as uh, commanders fans? Well, I think that's the million dollar question. And if I had any kind of insight on that, I would, you know, I would, you know, would be putting a lot of money in it on Vegas. But what I would say is I think if you just look at kind of the areas of strength in the draft and the areas of need for the team, it feels like they could go one of three, maybe four ways at 16. Um, this is obviously, let me just get this out right now, as I feel like they probably should trade back from 16, just based on kind of how the draft is parceled out in terms of talent and divvied up. It kind of, after the first five to eight picks, depending on who you talk to, it kind of hits a little bit of a plateau. And in plateaus, you want to be near the tail end of that because you get better value near the end of that plateau. You can add draft picks later. But if they were to stay at 16, I just think there's probably offensive tackle. There's probably cornerback. There's probably edge rusher. Maybe tight end. I think that's very way too high. And I guess if one of the quarterbacks were to fall, maybe. But those are kind of the... I think the first three there are the ones I would kind of lean into most acutely and say, I'd say there's probably going to be a position, uh, you know, one of those guys just based on, on the value at that position in the first round and then kind of the quality of player there in the first round. Logan, we talked a lot about before you came on, we talked all about the Chase Young, yeah. um, the reports that came out. And nothing's been confirmed about that, but sure. I, I, we trust all these sources that that have been reporting this. Uh, does that change a strategy for 16 or is that something that they're going to have to figure out later in the draft? I mean, they probably knew they were going to do this for a while now. You know sure. I mean? You know, there was, there people were talking about it, whatever. I think this has been in the cards, you know, um, I don't know. I'd say probably for about four, three weeks, four, three weeks, so month, something like that. They, they had this idea, this notion coming in. I don't think it's necessarily chase young here. I think it's more the idea that, none of your defensive linemen are under contract for 2024. So yeah. you got to reduce some people. You got to re-sign people. Why not get a very, very talented football player on the cheap? The only reason I think you might not go at 16 with a defensive end, edge rusher specifically, is that this is a pretty deep, 
deep edge kind of class, right? There's yeah. lots of kind of talented, freaky guys that I think you could get in the second round, maybe even early third. We talked about trading back. Let's say you're able to crew another second pick, a second round pick or a high third round pick. There's all sorts of mocks that have a guy like Kenyon White out of uh, Georgia Tech slipping a little bit into the second round. Mm. Zach Harrison is kind of one of those super freak athletes, 36-inch arm, 6'6", 275 pounds, 280 pounds, like that kind of fits that mold of the edge-setting defensive end here. So I don't think you need to go crazy here at 16 if you don't want to. Mm. Obviously, if you've got a really high evaluation on a guy like Lucas Van Ness, Nolan Smith, um, you know, Miles Murphy, like those are guys that also kind of fit the mold and have some pass rush upside, which they've been talking about. Maybe you go that direction, but I personally think you could trade back, add some draft capital. There's a really dense group of guys at the end of the first round, kind of between that 23 to 33 range. I think are excellent football players. Um, uh, the kid from, uh, Where's he? Um, Kansas State, excellent football player, edge rusher. Yeah, Felix. Um, yeah. yeah, Felix and DK Uzama. Is that correct? That sounds yeah. like it might be correct. I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna go with yes. <laughs> yes, we're gonna go with yes. Um, <laughs> Will Anderson is an uh, Will uh, Will McDonald. Excuse me. Uh, the fourth is an excellent edge rusher too, with a lot of pass rush upside. So, um, you know, uh, BJ Ojolari, another guy from LSU that mm -hmm. kind of would be in that same range. So, don't need to do do a lot of reaching here unless you really really value. The upside of a Lucas Van Ness, the power, the athletic profile of a Miles Murphy, or that kind of freaky speed of um of a of, of Nolan. So, you mentioned in the, in the kind of your opening salvo there, offensive tackle. That's something I've been getting kind of beat up with our uh, viewers. Is why is that open why to take a tackle? Because because even though maybe people aren't as happy with Leno. You, you have Leno for uh, at least a couple of years. You just signed Wiley to be your right tackle. So where does well, a tackle at 16 fit in? That's an excellent question. And I think, you know, your fans, um, you know, Wiley came into the NFL as a guard. And I think one of the reasons you sign a guy like Wiley for, for decent money, but not top tier tackle money is because you do he does give you some flexibility in the draft, right? So let's say I want to draft a guard, not at 16, but let's say, um, you know, Steve Avili out of TCU is available when I pick at 48. I think he's an excellent football player. He can play left guard while he can play right guard. Let's say I'm at 48 again, and Dewan Jones is available, the big tackle out of Ohio State. And I, I think he's an excellent football player. He's got a really high upside, maybe the highest upside in the class. He can play right tackle, and Wiley can play left guard. And so he just mm -hmm. gives you some flexibility to get your best five out there, regardless of the direction you go with the pick. So I think that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, they've done an excellent job this offseason is they've gotten some very talented football players, Wiley, Gates, guys – they're, they're good at what they do, but they also are good at kind of multiple positions. Gates can play guard, center. He's played a little bit of tackle in his career. And then Wiley, obviously, with the guard um, guard tackle combination there as well. And playing both guard spots, right and left. So it just gives you some flexibility. Get your best five out there. Cover up if Chase Roulier is not back or you know Tyler, or Tyler Larson's not available for the start of the season. So I think all those guys um, – it just, it just lets you put your best five out there, and I think that's something that the fans need to understand is that I think that's a good job by the staff here and the personnel department of putting themselves in a good position for this uh, for this draft tomorrow. Yeah. Logan, I want to get away from the draft here real quick and, and sure. talk a little bit about your career. You played seven <laughs> years uh, in the NFL, five, five of them for well, I played So I played 10 years in the NFL. Um, I think I got uh, – was one year on IR, right, and then yep. one year where I was not active – for okay. any game. So 
they're not accrued seasons. They they're not accredited seasons. They're accrued they're seasons. Crude. So yeah. I hate to correct you, but I'm going to call ten on that just I love for fun, it. just for just yeah, for the heck. Absolutely, that's actually no, big, right? On the uh, the implications for that is yeah. There, so like, um, got a, a 10, 10 accrued seasons is yeah, uh, better benefit package. It's better, it's better everything. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> Hey, I love he, it. He Definitely. doesn't want to get it out there that there's only seven seasons. Yeah, let's, ten stop, seasons. Let's, let's stop that right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Before, done. Head it off at the pass. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you about that is obviously you played for a lot of different head coaches, Shanny, uh, John Fox, John if Fox, I remember yeah. right. Yep. Um, Kyle, Kyle was your head coach once, right? Yep. And, and kind of what I'm wondering is do those guys, do the head coaches, do they set the tone in the locker room or is the locker room tone set by players? That's a really good question. I think it depends on the coach. <clears throat> Obviously, I think, you know, one of the, you didn't mention him, but one of the best leaders that I played with played for, excuse me, was Dan Quinn in mm. Atlanta when I was there. He just was a guy who I thought really understood the importance of relationships at the NFL and really did a good job of like building a culture. And, um, and it, you know, he empowered players to be leaders. He recruited and drafted and signed specific types of players that he felt fit that culture. And that was a really big part of his process. And then you go to like Mike Shanahan, for example, who was a player's coach, trusted the players to kind of establish the leadership protocols themselves. And that I will say that roster in 2010 when I was here was a much older roster than the team I was on when I was in Atlanta. So I think, um, you know, understanding the type of team you have, I think also reflects and kind of dictates your your coaching philosophy towards leadership. And I think, um, you know, it just kind of depends on the coach, really, you know, and the types of guys you have in the locker room. So, you know, that's not kind of a wishy-washy answer, but I think yeah, it, 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 it depends, you know. And and was 2012, was that, was that awesome with RG3 and the <laughs> eight game was it eight games in a row? Seven, uh, some, games in a seven, row? seven or eight, I forget. But yeah. um, was that amazing? Ron? No, that was terrible, man. That was awful. No, of course <laughs> yeah. it was great. What am I going to say? That was the that was probably the highlight of my football career. I yeah. think you know uh, it was the highlight of our fandom. Uh, yeah, high, the last twenty five years. Anyway, high school, college, NFL. I mean, it was hmm. just felt like um like untouchable in a weird way. And, and the chemistry on that team was great. Mike uh, and the whole staff did a great job of putting us in good positions to be successful. Obviously, Kyle was extremely innovative. Um, you know, Robert Griffin in that year was was basically God, you know, like he could do no wrong. And Kyle really knew how to speak to his skill set. Alfred Morris, fantastic. That mm -hmm. offensive line, a bunch of overachievers um, that were great human beings and just great guys to be around. And Trent Williams, obviously one of the best uh, guys I ever played with. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I felt very fortunate to be a part of that. And, you know, Pierre Garçon, uh, Josh Morgan, guys like that were just mm -hmm. fantastic. Terrell Young, a tremendous role player for that team. And um, guy that I kind of bonded with because our roles were, you know, block first, block second, and maybe catch a ball here late, late in the series. So mm. um, it was really cool, really, really fantastic. And I think it was really fantastic also that the the way the city just came alive. You know, I'm from LA originally, and there's not a lot of <clears throat> big football out there. You know, there's a lot of other things to kind of divert your attention. You know, there's the Clippers, the Lakers, there's multiple colleges, there's lots of stuff to do, right? And so coming out here and being a part of that 2012 season, I didn't know kind of the fervor football could instill in fans mm. and in an area. So that was that was a really cool experience for sure. Mm. Well, we hope to replicate that here soon. Or is there any kind of similarities? Because you get to be with the players and interact with them a little bit more than uh, your typical kind of beat reporter. Is there anything you're seeing with this particular roster that that should make fans hopeful? 
Yeah, I mean, I think when I look at it, well, obviously the guys that I get to interact with are great guys, you know, and I think that's that's pretty true no matter where you go, but I think there's a bunch of good quality people here. And also I think this roster is pretty good, and I know I might be in the minority with that perspective, but I think when you look around the league, when you hear national people talk about the roster, you've got a very talented skill position group on offense. You've got a talented young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback, but very, very talented. Defensively, I think you've got a very, very – um, kind of comprehensive group. You know, there's no, like, obviously the defensive line kind of runs the show, but the secondary is getting better each offseason. I think the, the front office here in Washington deserves a lot of credit for that. Jamin Davis, you know, kind of being much maligned as a first-round pick, I think was playing his best football the last four or five games of the season, which gets me really, really excited. So I think the roster is poised to do something special, and I think that should be exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not the Philadelphia Eagles last year, which was the best roster in football. It's not that but it is close and you need kind of some magic pixie dust to fall. You need Sam Howell to develop. You need the offensive line to come together. You need some growth from the young tight ends. There's some things there that needs to happen, but it is, if you turn your head and look at it just right, I think there's an opportunity there for this team. I'm going to steal this from, uh, from one of our viewers here. Al Catone is asking, uh, which I think is a great question because we watch you on the command center all the time. And we watch all the stuff that you do and how great you are at breaking down film and, and going over things with uh, Coach Rivera and, and all that. Have you ever considered coaching? Is that something that you think you might get into in the future? Yeah, I mean, I had an opportunity to coach with the Miami Dolphins last year that mm. I turned down, and a little bit of it was because, you know, family. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think people understand kind of the the comprehensive, the absolute commitment these coaches have to excellence at, at any level, you know? Yeah. So I do coach now. I do some personal training, athletic skills development with young athletes. And I also am the offensive coordinator at Independence High School. So I'm not coaching, you know, college or NFL, but I do get my uh, X's and O's itches scratched mm. at that level and, you know, get to work with some young kids who are awesome individuals. And I, that that's been extremely rewarding. So um, I thought I'd be able to stay away from it for a little bit longer, but um, was only able to make it about uh, 12 and a half months. So, you know, we're, we're back in it and we're, we're coaching some football. So, yeah, that, that I, we know how important your family is and we know you're carving out some time for us uh, here. So we do appreciate that. Getting getting back in the draft a little bit. You, you kind of mentioned if a QB falls to 16, uh are you not a howler? Is 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 this? Uh, do you have any faith in Sam Howell, or what, uh, where are we going with that one? So I think it's important that people understand like draft philosophy, right? So I've got a tiered draft board that I've just kind of put together, and I've got eight guys in the top tier. I've got and, and there's quarterbacks in there, right? There's two mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Um, you know, Bryce Young is the definitive number one. C.J. Stroud is is borderline for me, but he's he's in the first tier, right? So if one of those first-tier players, one of those eight players were to fall to Washington at 16, I have to trust my evaluation, right? I have to mm-hmm. trust that these are the eight best players in the draft, according to my board, and I would take him at 16. So it's not necessarily a lack of confidence in Sam Howell. That's not what it is. It's just I have to trust my evaluation of this year's draft class. So, mm-hmm. for example, like I've got two top-tier tackles. I've got Skaronsky and Paris Johnson. If one of those guys falls to me at 16, I'm taking them at 16. Same thing with edge rushers. Same thing with um, quarterbacks, right? Bashan Robinson? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Bijan is an interesting player because he's at a position of such low positional value. Mm-hmm. So I, I am of the mindset, and I'm, this is becoming more popular, but it's not super sexy this year. I don't want to take a running back in the first round. 
I just think the contract value uh, is too expensive. I think the longevity of the contract is too short. I just think, and you have to look no farther than Saquon Barkley, who's been hurt for the majority of his contract. And that's through no fault of his own. It's just the nature of the position. And so, Mm -hmm. especially with this year's draft class, there's some very, very talented guys you can find in the second to the seventh round. And that's, I I hate to say it, but I want to take my shot on one of those guys. And I think Bijan's going to be an excellent professional, but the value in the first round just isn't there for me the way it is at tackle. And and I think there's an analytics way to look at this, right? So let's just take offensive tackle, for example, right? You're going to pay a good left tackle $27 million. That's the top at the position. I get that guy for five a year for five years, right? I'm saving $22 million a year on that player. With a running back, the discrepancy is not that much. I think the highest paid running back is like 12 million bucks or something like that Mm -hmm. a year. And so I'm going to be paying him $5 million a year for, you know, it just doesn't, the math doesn't work out. I think there's better value at other spots. And so that's kind of the way I look at that with Bijan specifically and also with tight end, you know, and it's probably blasphemy for me to say that, but Mm. I kind of feel that way. Like, you know, especially this year, like everyone's saying Dalton Kincaid, the value is just not there for the position. Safety is the same way. So, you know, Mm. Logan Paulson's draft board is edges, offensive linemen, uh, corners this year, receivers kind of down, but those are kind of the big three spots for me this year. Are, are any of those eight guys worthy of moving up? To that's go- a great question. That's that's a really good question. I think um, the, the Jalen Carter to me is interesting, you know, mm. in terms of players to move up for. Obviously not for this team because of the financial investment they've got in the in, in the defensive tackle position, it just wouldn't sure. be sound process. And also Bryce Young would be another guy that I would consider moving up for. Uh, moving up to one, probably a little bit steep, but those are, the, those are the two guys that I think are something more, right? And what I mean by that is like um, they have a ceiling that could potentially develop into something akin to like a Pro Bowl style player. You sure. know what I mean? So those are the only guys. Everyone else, there's big question marks around for me. And so the answer is no. I wouldn't trade up for anybody else but those two guys. And obviously, both those guys, the Washington's not going to trade up for either one of them because right. of how the roster is constructed. So Washington has three picks in the top 100. Uh, and I feel like the top 100 is kind of where you get your impact players. Sure. Is there anybody that you're looking at or kind of positions that you're looking at to fill at 47 and 97 for the team? Yeah, I keep saying 48 because the damn Dolphins screwed up that pick. Uh, so 47, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, 47. Um, it really depends on how the first round goes. Obviously, I'm probably looking tackle in the first round. I just have this feeling because I've only got seven tackles kind of in that in the first three tiers for me. Um, and so I think they're going to go quick. So I want to make sure that I get one of those guys just because I think, again, like the values there at the position. So if that's the case – a quarterback in the second round, like I would die if Emmanuel Forbes was there. Like that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Julius Brents, big athletic freak out of Kansas State, you know, kind of in the Benjamin St. Juice mold. Uh, I'm not as high on Keeley Ringo. I like, uh, what is it, uh, CJ Turner? CJ Turner from Michigan, the, the little quarterback. D- yeah, DJ. DJ, thank you. Yep. DJ Turner from yep. Michigan. So, um, you know, those types of guys, I think I would be excellent. And if you pick up an, another second round pick, I'd probably see if there's a center guard floating around Steve Avili in the second round, I think would be fantastic. Cody mock. I love him as a football player. Uh, Tillman out of Wisconsin, the center there really good. And then mm-hmm. if you're looking for like a Buffalo nickel type player, I'm probably looking at Sidney Brown. I think he's a, I just loved his film. Like he was, 
He's from Illinois. He's in the same backfield as Witherspoon, and he plays in the box. He plays nickel corner. He plays safety, and he is rocked up, and he's ready to freaking party when it comes to tackling the ball carrier. So um, I love that. I love that in the nickel. You know, I don't know if he fits the mold here necessarily because he doesn't have the longest arms in the world. So they're like um, Antonio Johnson, I think is the kid's name, from Texas A&M. Hmm. He's the guy that maybe fits their style, that cam curl, that 6'3", 200-pound, 33 inch arm type of guy, you know, who can match up a little bit better with tight ends. But um, those are some guys in the second, third round that I think are interesting. Sam Laporta at tight end. Awesome. Awesome football player. Mm. Um, probably won't be able to get him after 47. I don't think. Yeah. But that's a guy that I find really interesting. And then edge rushers. I mentioned Keon white. I think he would be awesome here from a stylistic fit. And then, um, yeah, those are, those are some names to just come to come to mind right now. I'm sure there's more that'll come to me as we talk, but. Yeah, awesome. Well, what are you doing for the draft tomorrow? Do you have team obligations? Or I do have a, home? do have some team obligations, uh, mm-hmm. which is how you want it. You want to be working for these big events. So we've got uh, for the command center, which is on YouTube, we have a show pre-draft that's about 30 minutes long where we'll kind of intro some more picks, um, you know, kind of potential picks for the team, introduce some more players. Um, just to preview, we're going to be talking about Drew Sanders. Yeah, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas, an interesting prospect, kind of edge rusher, off-the-ball linebacker, hybrid guy. Talk about him a little bit in the show. And then, um, you know, we have 30 minutes of content we have to fill during the first round, and we're going to try and keep that all around the commander's pick. So, um, you know, make sure you tune in for that stuff. Awesome. Yeah, definitely seems worthwhile to to watch. (laughs) Uh, Maybe our our fans will be doing a live show as well. Maybe they can... (laughs) split screen the two of us there you go right uh, that'd be really good uh going back to some more personal uh, history here for you so you you mentioned trent williams the best player you've ever played with is there who who would be if not him who would be the best player you've ever played football with i've been very fortunate In in 10 years you see a lot of football players you know and uh played with um hopkins in houston played with julio jones matt ryan in atlanta Played with Jake Cutler, you know, say what you want about him, but very good football. Uh, Grady Jarrett in Atlanta, also fantastic football player. Um, Ryan Kerrigan, London Fletcher, all these guys were, were really fantastic football players. Yeah. Hmm. Um, who else played with George Kittle in uh, San Francisco? So oh, yeah. I've been around some very, very skilled people and um, very, very blessed to, to see that. And so um yeah, i think the thing that separates those guys is they're all physical monsters you know in, in, a, in a landscape of physical freaks uh of the nfl they're they're just kind of head and shoulders above it's like when you're at a high school football practice and there's that one kid going d1 and he just is built a little different than any everybody else imagine mm-hmm. that guy in a land of just monsters and so <laughs> th- those are those are the guys that i think are pretty special from that standpoint and uh Again, like very fortunate to have played with some really, really good football players. So, what about that tight end academy? They didn't have that when you were playing. Oh, it's that, fairly new. It's, yeah, so I got really cool to kind of reconnect with guys that I played with and stuff. And um, the uh, it's awesome. It's just an awesome platform mm-hmm. for just building relationships and networking and kind of sharing. Uh, you know, tools of the trade. You know, and and getting Greg Olson up there to talk about stuff and um install stuff was great and then travis kelsey got up there and travis kelsey just blew my mind you know with how smart he was everyone talks about him as the personality but getting him on the board and while watching him break down film i was like man this guy is legit you know he's got a coach's mind when it comes to this stuff so 
Uh, very, very cool. And I, I, I wish there was more stuff like that when I played because it, it's it's really invaluable. And I, you know, now there's the O-line mastermind stuff put on Duke, put on by Duke Mannyweather, which I think is another great resource for for players. But I think every, you know, Von Miller does his pass rush camp, but I really think every position group should have something like that because it's just, it's awesome. Yeah, the quarterbacks are never doing this. They're doing that's divas. <laughs> I just want my QBs yeah. to be thrown to my wide receivers in the offseason. That's what I yeah, want to see. That, that'd be nice. The uh, so you know, you mentioned the command center and and the media team. You guys do some fantastic stuff there on the the commander's YouTube channel. Uh, on HBO though, they have this program called the Hard Knocks. Uh, <laughs> would you be excited to see Hard Knocks come to Ashburn in uh, in DC? Uh, would I be excited as a player? I could tell you right now, I would not be excited. Mm-hmm. But as a media member and a fan of the team, I think it would be cool, you know, to get that kind of access to the team. I'm not sure that would ever happen here, um, because it is, it is a bit of an inconvenience for the organization, but. It would be cool. You know, I, I think it's a great program. It's one of the things that got me like really in love with football, you know, because that kind of came out when I was in high school. So you got to watch that and kind of keep track of players and see their journey. Also, I think it, it's good for fans to see because it makes people more empathetic, I think, to the players and it kind of de-objectifies them. You know, it kind of makes them real people and it shows, mm-hmm. oh, I got a family, I got bills to pay, I got worries and stresses. So um, in some ways, I think that's always kind of sobering for fans uh, to see that. And um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it would be cool for sure. Well, you got one more. Or are you no, good to go? That was it. I wanted to let. So what's up with this mock? Who's is this your mock draft? Who's who's what we got going on here? Yeah, I'm going right? to be doing a mock draft right after uh, here. Have you done it already? No, no, we're going to do it live here on the the channel. So I'm kind of trying to pick your brain a little bit. I'm happy oh here. Gosh on some of these things because like it sounds like our board and how we work it is very similar like you have the tier one guys tier two guys and and uh and so you know i was there i don't necessarily devalue positions as much as it sounds like you do like with the running back obviously but are you so you're taking Bijan Robson? he's taking him it's hard to pass i mean on my board i have him as as the third best prospect right like you know yeah i agree it's kind of one of those things kyle hamilton last year a lot of people were just like no we don't you know we don't need a safety it's devalued position but i was like he's literally probably the the best player on the draft board like as the best i think i think kyle hamilton is an interesting kind of comp to Bijan because i think everyone thought he was this physical freak with high upside, you know, athletic traits, but then he came out and ran like a four seven mm-hmm. and then his vertical jump didn't support it. And you're like, well, how athletic are you really? And then you kind of go back and watch the tape and you realize like, you're just a box player and there's nothing wrong with being just a box player. And I, and I wonder if there's any kind of thought about that with the NFL teams, because, you know, Bijan didn't run this four, three that everyone thought he's going to run. I mean, he, he's a much better player than that time. And I don't think that time's slow, but it's interesting how that stuff affects uh, prospects for sure. Yeah. The, one of the things that would scare me with Bijan is, is not scare, but one of the things I, I, from running backs, I do typically like low usage out of them. And he's got a lot of high usage. I'm also a sooner uh, boomer sooner guy. Uh, and so I've seen a lot of Bijan over the, over the years. And while impressive, he's not like the most impressive player. I do think that on this particular draft board, like I said, I still have him number three. Uh, between, behind Bryce Young and Jalen Carter, but it's just so hard. Like, uh, 
a lot of people like it for maybe EB. You got, you know, yeah. him in the house. So you're like, give him some offensive tools, try to improve. But I mean, this guy just ran Pachenko. I know I always butcher his name. Uh, yeah. A seventh round rookie from last year to a Super Bowl victory. So I'm like, you don't need the first round, you know, talent to be able to yeah. do that. So yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the thing about the position is you can get anybody anywhere. It feels like, and then obviously, like Jameer Gibbs, I think is kind of a more natural i don't know player in the nfl now yeah in terms of Mm -hmm. catching the football and the way the position's Mm -hmm. going so i don't know like like you can get a good one wherever you want you know a chain from uh, texas a&m that the track star like there's a whole bunch of really good football players in this class so don't overdraft a running back that's my one bit of advice here (laughs) before i leave the show (laughs) well we had a we had a a a a uh, little video we did for another channel where they asked us who we would draft at 16. And, and I, you know, I got to get back in your good graces. I said, Michael Mayer, I said, let's, <laughs> get, let's get a tight end. Let's do it. We need, we need a upgrade at tight end. Although I'm a big, um, I've already uh, Armani Rogers guy. Yeah. I, I, think, I think he's, he's got something if he can stay healthy and develop the yeah. tight end skills. I was going to say, like we're talking tight end and I know you guys got to go, but you know, the, the, tight end is such a traits driven position now, you know, mm-hmm. and Armani Rogers is six, six, two He runs a four, five You're not going to get much better traits athletic wise mm-hmm. at the position. So, you know, and they found that guy as a free agent walking around on the street. So like you just, you, that's why basketball players transition so well. So again, like don't overdraft tight ends, don't overdraft running backs, don't overdraft uh, safeties guys. Come on, just be careful here. Does, does it take a lot of people, you know, it used to be wide receivers were the ones who took three years to kind of develop into the NFL. Now you're seeing them make a bigger impact. Now I'm hearing that same number being thrown around for, for tight ends is tight ends, you know, for, to developing. Yep. Does it take, does it really take the three years to kind of develop or is it, is that just kind of like this number people throw out there to make their picks feel better? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it. I don't think that's true for tight ends necessarily. Like, I think, you know, everyone probably says, oh, Kyle Pitts didn't produce the way everyone thought he was going to produce. And I say, like, that's probably a little bit malarkey because, like, it's usage. I think that's the other thing about the position. Like, if the offense isn't designed to facilitate the tight end to be productive, then you're going to get one of, like, literally the most freaky athletic tight ends ever with kind of middling production just based on how the offense is designed. So Mm. I think that's another huge part about the position. Like, when you have receivers, like, they are – they're, they're, every offense is designed to get receivers touches, right? Not every on- offense is designed to get tight end touches. So that's the other thing that I think needs to be kind of factored in in this evaluation. It's so scheme and traits driven. It's like I can get a guy, literally like Cole Komet in Chicago is not a mm-hmm. great football player, but he gets 50 to 60 catches a year, you know, just because they scheme up throws for him, which is, mm-hmm. which is great. Like that's how you should use a tight end. But I think that's something that, fans like maybe lose a little bit of nuance on when they say, Oh, this is the new shiny toy. I will say to your point though, this year you're going to see tight ends move up the board a little bit because the the receiving class is not great. So yeah, it's not as good as uh, last year's or the year before that. Yeah. The, the, uh, one last question for me, uh, a lot of people are asking, and because I got this mock draft, and I want to make sure I give myself a little cushion here. Uh, <laughs> do you take banks for Maryland at sixteen? So I've done I've, in a mock draft I did on my podcast, which is the Take Command podcast. That's for the radio station, one hundred six seven, the Fan, and Odyssey, and all that stuff. Uh, I took Banks at sixteen. He's uh, he's my so I have one corner in my tier one, and I don't know if you guys want to guess, but one corner in my tier one, and then three corners in my tier two. And he's my favorite quarter in the. I say Forbes. 
Gonzo, so, Gonzo, Gonzo is uh, got to be your tier one guy. No, Witherspoon's my tier one. Witherspoon, guy, oh, Witherspoon, yeah, yeah. and then Gonzalez uh, for Gonzalez, Banks, Forbes, and Wither and Porter are the guys in the next tier. Mm, okay. Yeah, Joey so. Porter Jr. was uh, our third guest. Our third host is uh, his his pick, and I jokingly took Bijan in the in the video that uh, Stutter was talking about <laughs> earlier, uh, namely just don't just to stir the pot a little bit. But it sounds uh, like yeah. you stirred well. I, I'll say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I do what I can. Well, Logan, we appreciate you jumping on here, and hopefully, we can get you during the season. Uh, I know you're going to be. We can tune in to the commander's youtube channel uh and you're not on twitter you are on ig instagram yeah instagram uh primarily so uh make sure that we're we're following you on there and uh and keeping (laughs) track of all the good stuff as it goes through so yeah yeah appreciate it guys thanks for having me on you guys do a great job and a lot of fun all right we appreciate you again have a good night get back to that family of yours and when we come back for the cool down it is going to be our final mock draft of the season here on the cool down for ref the district stay with us what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at u.s customs and border protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.